On episode six of the Smash Cast, Peter Laviolette is out. John Hines is in. Myself and Mark Howard, we're going to break down the big headline that dropped Monday night. What does it mean for the rest of this season, and why did it ultimately not work out for Peter Laviolette here in 2020? It's the sixth episode of the Smash Cast, and it starts now. In-depth coverage of the Nashville Predators in a 104.5 The Zone digital exclusive. This is the Smashcast with Will Bowling and Mark Howard. So big episode coming up today. Of course, the huge news of the day. Peter Laviolette let go by the Nashville Predators. He is out. John Hines is in. My name is Will Bowling alongside Mark Howard from the Wake Up Zone as always. Uh, Mark, we've been talking about this move potentially coming uh, at the end of this season throughout these episodes here on the Smashcast. Uh, it came earlier than maybe we expected a couple of weeks ago. How surprised were you yesterday that David Poyle went ahead and made this move to let go Peter Laviolette? I wasn't very surprised, Will. I just sort of felt like they'd reached a point where they had to make a change. They have so many untradeable contracts on that roster you can't just get rid of you know the whole team. Uh, getting rid of the coach, firing the coach, is really the only option and really the best option. If you saw how they played in Anaheim after winning the night before in L.A., and remember, these are two non-playoff teams. They were terrible in the first period, not a whole lot better in the second. And then by Craig Smith, Pred's veteran forward's admission, they just kind of went out there and let her rip. Uh, and they stopped overthinking Peter Laviolette's system and just went out there and played, and they tied the game up pretty quickly and really outplayed uh, the Ducks uh, you know, in that third period. But to me, that's their season in a nutshell, just wildly inconsistent. They'll tease you with, with a great performance and then totally deflate you, uh, you know, with, a, with a no effort, walking dead loss. I know it's been widely reported today and a little bit last night that uh, David Poyle has already been active in trying to make some moves on this roster, trying to make some trades, and a lot of that work uh, ha- has not really come to fruition at all. There's, there's been no deals uh, yet for this Nashville team. Um, do you think that that is kind of the last straw for this team, kind of David Poyle saying, okay, well, we couldn't make any trades, so this is kind of my last chip I can throw to try to get something out of this season? Well, I thought that that was the precursor to thinking about making a change of coach, to shock the team from that end. But, you know, the two most tradable players on the team, uh, Mikhail Grantland, they'd have, to, they'd have to sell low. And I think David, you know, wants a high draft pick and maybe even a, a prospect for a guy who was a 70-point scorer in Minnesota a couple of years ago. And Craig Smith is really the Preds' hottest player right now. So if you really think of yourselves as a contender – you're going to hang on to Craig Smith, who has an expiring contract. Now, approaching the trade deadline, when David Poyle can sell at airport prices, as I like to say, uh, where he can get uh, a whole lot, uh, really more than he would usually get in the offseason, because teams are desperate for, for players like Smith and, and Grantland, and you know, he can you know, retool or at least augment uh, his pool of, uh, of young talent uh, by dealing those two guys. But really, you know, with Laviolette, uh, you know, just getting back to the situation that David faced, the Preds were terrible on special teams. Power play, penalty kill. 
Their goaltending was was bad to mediocre. It's gotten a little bit better uh, the last few games. Poor showing in the Winter Classic for everybody to see, and that question started coming up. Uh, and really, it just did not look like the team was going to get out of uh, the, the the tailspin, even though you know they they won and had an overtime loss in the last two games. I think he just really felt like this team, you know, needed a jump start, a shock, and the best way to do it is to change coaches. So there's an interesting stat that I saw this morning: uh, the, the bottom four NHL teams this year in save percentage. Uh, the New Jersey Devils fired their coach. The Nashville Predators have now fired their coach. The San Jose Sharks, 30th, they fired their coach. And last, the Detroit Red Wings, who uh, you might say are actively trying to lose uh, this season in an effort to get a high draft pick. All that being said, how much of this is fixable and how much of this is an aging Pecorine and a guy in UC Soros who's maybe not ready to be a number one yet? Uh, Because at this point, I don't know if a new coach and the new energy is really going to make a big difference uh, in the Predators' goaltending issue this year. Would you agree with that? No, I don't, because I think okay. I think Pekka has more to give. Uh, I don't think he suddenly got old after Game 12. That's fair. <laughs> and, and I think UC Saros can play better, frankly, and I think he's ready to be a number one. He's not having a good season so far, but that doesn't preclude uh, the possibility that those guys start playing. Uh, I think they'll ascend to the mean uh, eventually. I don't think the play in front of him has been – you know that great either. Uh, even though analytically, uh, the blame goes more on the on on the goaltending than it does the the defense. The other part of this is, Will, that that is sort of fascinating to me. Two analytic sites, you know, pretty prominent, you know, analytic sites. One has the Predators with a seventy four percent chance of making the playoffs, and another one seventy two. Wow. So you know, this is a team. I'll have that, what they're having. <laughs> I know, and and really, the Predators are going to have to win two of every three games. The rest of the way in, and the second half of the season, they're going to see a lot of the Blues, a lot of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, in their uh, in their schedule. But I, I'll maintain the Predators can beat anybody in this league. They can also lose to anybody in this yeah. league. So uh, enter John Hines, then uh, coming from New Jersey. Uh, the, the fan reaction, of course, right off the top, is not going to be very positive when you just look at the record uh, for him with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, in the past two seasons, they had the fourth worst record in the NHL uh, with 40-54-1. And, uh, and this season, the Devils, they lost four games at home when they had at least a two-goal lead. Um, what do you think the thought process is behind bringing John Hines to Nashville at this point, um, uh, given where this team is right now? Well, he certainly doesn't have the resume Laviolette did, uh, you know, when he came in, uh, you know, after Barry Trotz, who was phenomenally popular and really successful and who went on to greater glory. So in that way, it is a little bit of a risky hire. But again, David trusts the evaluations of Ray Shiro, who's a close friend of his, a former lieutenant. And, you know, Ray Shiro is no slouch. I mean, he's won a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. He had a great run in Pittsburgh, and he's rebuilding New Jersey. And I'll repeat, you know, and I can say this now, Peter Horacek, former Predators assistant coach who was a scout at the time, told me that Ray hated to fire Hines because he loved him, but the team just wasn't playing well under him. You know, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, But David, you know, feels like he's got the right guy. Uh, And in hockey – uh, hockey is filled with short-term successes when it comes to coaches. 
Uh, so I guess we're going to have to wait and see. You're right, though. The resume is a little bit light, but David knows him uh, from the years he was with Hockey USA. Jeff Kilty, the assistant general manager, played with Hines uh, at Boston University, as well as knowing him uh, from Hockey USA. So there is a good degree of familiarity from a lot of different angles. David is a very meticulous guy. And the other part is, I don't know who he would have gotten uh, as an interim coach. I guess he could have called up Carl Taylor, who's having a great year in Milwaukee. But I think he decided that Hines could be the guy to turn this team around. How common is this to not promote from within? You mentioned Carl Taylor, and I know that was a name that many were bringing up last night before uh, the rumors of Hines maybe began a little bit uh, last night and, and again, uh, even stronger this morning. But uh, how common is that to go completely with an outside hire uh, in the middle of a season uh, and go ahead and make a move for a guy that you believe is going to be your permanent guy rather than having an interim finish out the year and then kind of starting a search in the offseason? Well, I think it's about, uh, you know, I, listen, I haven't uh, you know, done the research but it's not uncommon uh, to go out and get a fired coach and bring him in. I mean, it's happened a lot uh, with mixed results. It just depends on the guy you're bringing in. So I, I don't see that as something, you know, that's uh, that's that far fetched or or that surprising. You know, like I said, when they made the the change last night, uh, I knew immediately it wasn't um, it wasn't the guy in, in Milwaukee uh, and. Because they would have immediately, you know, mentioned that in the press sure. press release, so you knew they were going outside. I didn't think it'd be Peter DeBoer, and I thought that Hines sort of fit the profile. So we'll see what happens. So how long does it take now uh, under new leadership uh, with with this new energy you want to see from the players? How long does David Poyle give this team? in order to decide whether they are sellers or – I don't think I could see them being buyers at this point of the trade deadline, either sellers or just sitting pat. Uh, because it feels like this is going to be a really important couple of weeks and a really important month for this team to really make up its mind on what this season's identity is going to be. Yeah, it, it's a good point. And it's going to be interesting to see which players respond to Hines, you know, which guys you know, really start getting you know, back – to playing uh, at at their normal level, but I think David will give it a month. Uh, you know, mid to late February. Uh, you know, heading into March is is when uh, they have the trade deadline, and you know, I don't think he'll he'll make uh, any bones about uh, the fact that he he's willing to to be a seller. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be a buyer. I'd be really surprised. But I think you know he's going to give this thing a little while uh, and, and see where it takes them. You know, the, all the stuff with LaViolette, he gave LaViolette just about everything Peter wanted, and it just didn't work. And if you look uh, at at the flow of talent that has gone in there, you know, over the last, you know, two or three years, guys that he, that David brought in on trades, I mean, look at last year. Yep. You know, Wayne Simmons didn't really work out. Brian mm-hmm. Boyle was okay, uh, but, you know, Ryan Hartman a couple of years ago didn't really work. Uh and Scotty Hartnell coming back a second time, he was okay. He, you know, and you could argue he was at the end of his career. But a lot of the players that David brought in, Laviolette couldn't get a lot out of them. And I don't know if it speaks to them or or, or, or speaks to Peter. And you know, Laviolette again, you know, was I don't want to say the polar opposite of Barry Trotz, 
Barry Trotz had relationships throughout the organization. He had relationships with everybody in Bridgestone Arena. Peter really wasn't like that. He wasn't, you know, unpleasant. You know, he wasn't nasty, but he was very standoffish. Uh, you know, did not have a great relationship with the media. I think he frustrated the media because he just wouldn't tell him anything, which, you know, doesn't exactly, you know, make him the only coach in America to do that. But Barry, you know, was a lot different. And we'll see how Hines is. Uh, and even within the organization, Peter did not have a lot of close relationships. He had him on his staff. He had him with Kevin McCarthy, who was sort of his right arm and is, uh, you know, has been there with him at just about at, at every stop. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, how things, how the room reacts. And I'm talking about the locker room. Uh, just, you know, w- w- with, with a new voice, with a new person. It's so odd to me still how quickly David Poyle went from saying on the Midday 180 last week, you know, we're not looking at any personnel decisions at this time. At this time. Exactly. Being the, being the sure. operative part of that sentence. See, I took it totally that he's thinking about a change. Really? Interesting. Yeah. How much of that do you think had to do with Kevin McCarthy? Because obviously the special teams for the Predators the past two seasons uh, on both sides have been awful. Uh, do you think that there's any truth to kind of this sentiment that maybe Poyle asked LaViolette to make more changes on his staff? Maybe LaViolette said no, and then that's when kind of the dominoes started to fall? Well, I think that might have been asked at the end of last season. And instead of firing McCarthy, they brought in Dan Lambert. They added staff. In other words, Peter won that battle, at least for the moment. Sure. But I think it's shared blame. I think it's everybody on the staff. Uh, Dan Muse, you know, you know, is, every assistant coach has a special teams responsibility. Now, Lambert is a power play specialist, and at least to here, that hasn't worked out, which doesn't mean it's going to be a total failure mm-hmm. the rest of the way. But I think we're, we're all going to be interested. First of all, Hines is probably going to bring in at least one assistant. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, we'll see just exactly if he can turn special teams around. I think if he does... Uh, you're going to see this team, you know, go back on the uptick. Obviously, you talk about relationships and and the maybe the most talked about relationship over the first uh, half of this season uh, in that Nashville Predators locker room was between Peter Laviolette and Kyle Turris. Um, how much do you think the way Peter handled that uh, and, and kind of that whole fiasco went on? How much of an impact did that make ultimately? Um, uh, on David Poyle's decision to go ahead and make a change at this point in the season? Well, I don't think... I think there were some players that weren't happy with the way Turris was handled because they didn't feel like he deserved to be healthy scratched. But you're not always going to love the coach. Sure. Uh, It doesn't have to be a romance. Mm -hmm. You just have to be successful. And believe me, I'm sure Turris is shedding no tears (laughs) over David Uh, or over uh, Peter Lovell's departure. (laughs) So I don't I don't know if that was a huge deal. Uh, I think it's his failure to get more out of his good players, failure to get something more out of Grantland, failure to get Johansson playing more consistently, Arvidsson, Forsberg, Duchesne. I mean, these guys have to have to step it up. You got pieces there, and that's that's kind of the theme around this team right yeah. now. Is and we've talked about it on this show that. Uh, there are pieces there offensively that the Predators have not had in a really long time uh, to kind of play with in those forward lines. And, um, you know, I, I think it makes sense at this point. And, and a lot of fans have been calling for it uh, probably since our second episode of this podcast and things started to really go downhill. 
Um, you can't really make excuses anymore uh, given the talent that's on this roster. And, and yeah, there are changes on the defensive end, but um, it, somebody something had to change at some point. And when you can't make personnel changes on the roster, um, you know this this might be kind of the last chip to play. And really. You know, I think you're you're kind of following the St. Louis Blues model here as well, and they kind of showed, at least to an extent, that if you make a change early enough and energize your team while there's still time, um, obviously I don't, I'm not going to pick this Predators team to win a Stanley Cup this season, um, but it shows that there's still time left in the season to salvage something. Yeah, the last part of what you said is absolutely true, but here's how the Preds are different. The Blues made a lot of changes last year, Yeah, uh, and... They put Jordan Bennington in goal, and, and obviously that's where they went on that you know incredible yeah, run. Uh, so their situation with the Preds is different in terms of time. Yeah, th- there is time, you know, for them to go from 11th to at least the top eight, no question. But they need to be more consistent, and they need to give more. So obviously, uh, welcome to Nashville, Coach Hines. Now you've got the Boston Bruins at home. Uh, your first night here. Um, in the Volunteer State and in Music City. Um, obviously not an easy task for this Predators team to go up against one of the NHL's best teams, uh, one of the Eastern Conference's best teams, uh, just one night after making a change. Um, that's got to be weird, right, to have a game so quickly after making a change like that. Uh, and not only just a game, but a game against a huge opponent uh, that's playing really good hockey this season. Well, life in the NHL. And they beat the Bruins right. in Boston they a did. few weeks ago. And it goes to your point. They can beat anybody and lose anybody. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mark, we appreciate the time, as always. Uh, certainly an important month uh, for the National Predators. We'll be here to cover it all uh, for you here on the Smashcast. You can subscribe here, as always, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, maybe we'll have some more uh, positive things to talk about <laughs> over the next couple We can weeks. only hope, Will. Uh, we, it, it can only go up from here, uh, surely. Let's knock on wood. Uh, Mark, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, Will.